COVID changed the whole world in 2020, um, and most of it was pretty unpleasant. But as a lifelong aggressive optimist, a phrase that I'm considering trademarking, uh, I have looked for and found a lot to be grateful for over the years since the United States first entered lockdown. Um, for example, I see a lot more value placed on having healthy relationships. I see a lot more time invested in each of us making ourselves the best version of ourselves. Um, and I've noticed more interest in individuals seeking out opportunities to express what's happening in our internal life, right? Like we want to improve the world around us, but we also want to improve the world inside us. Um, and I feel pretty comfortable pointing out that all of us agree these are good things. Something else I've noticed since lockdown began is an enormous upswing in interest in sewing. So this episode of the Whipstitch podcast, we are talking about how to get into sewing or how to get back into sewing if you've been away for a while. I'm your host, Deborah Mobies. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Whipstitch podcast is brought to you by the League of Dressmakers. We are an online subscription video club that guides you to sew fearlessly and with joy. Come meet your team, find your new best friends, get step-by-step -step technique guides, video sew-alongs, an annual tournament, and community with all of us at the League. We would love to sew with you. Find us online at League of Dressmakers, that's L-E-A, G-U-E of dressmakers.com. A lot of good things came out of lockdown. Neighbors are looking for chances to connect with neighbors, which is so great. I think uh, the value each of us places on face-to-face -face contact after having been told for so long you can't be face-to-face, -face, suddenly we, we're looking for opportunities. We're not taking them lightly or um, being reactive, you know, like, oh, I'll talk to her if I see her. We're like seeking out opportunities. Um, I'm watching parents and partners double down on the best parts of their relationships. And I'm also watching them look honestly at the parts of relationships that need revision and maybe some rehabilitation. The, I was reading an article recently and the headline was saying that the major social media trend this year is fitness apps and fitness influencers. And people are working to take better care of their bodies. That something about having the, the minutes and hours we might have spent going from one place to another place during the time that we couldn't go any place, we realized we could invest that time in ourselves. And um, the other big trend is mental health apps. People are seeking to take care of their insides in addition to their outsides. You know, almost like we didn't feel good about spending our time that way before, or we were so burdened with the need to, to get to where we were going that once we didn't have anywhere to go, we began to recognize, hey, part of me isn't getting taken care of. The biggest retail shopping trend this year is fitness trackers. Um, apparently, not only do we want to know that we're putting our efforts in a place that they pay off, we want to measure that. Um, I'm really stoked, though. All those things are true. And, and also, I'm really stoked to see how many people came to sewing or came back to sewing under lockdown. I sincerely and not so secretly believe that sewing is a place where we can practice with lower risk 
all the things that we are seeking to see in the rest of our lives. So we, we want to have better relationships. We want to make ourselves more available. We want to take better care of our insides and our outsides. And sewing gives us this very low risk place to practice all of those skills, to fail and to succeed and to be excited and to learn to pat ourselves on the back and to monitor our own self-talk, to um, be disappointed, to learn to let go of things that didn't go the way we wanted them to without having it reflect on our own value. There are just all these great things that come out of sewing. I've noticed that my murder mystery quilt, my subscription club for quilting, lasts 12 months. This year, our members I, I'm ballparking because I haven't done an actual statistical analysis, but it sounds like it's about 40% new or newer quilters, ranging from people who either have never made a quilt before or learned to sew under lockdown or came back to sewing under lockdown. And now they're looking for opportunities to do fun projects at their sewing machines. That's a huge number. It's a huge number of people who haven't been sewing for a while, and now they want to get into sewing or get back into sewing. Which gives me this incredible thrill. I love it. I love it when I see new people taking up the sewing machine. It's almost maternal. Like, I'm so excited for them. I can't wait to see what they'll make. I can't wait to fold them into my secret agenda, getting every human on the planet to sew. I truly believe sewing is an avenue to greater joy, greater relational connection. You know, I don't want to scare anybody off, but I, I'm just chomping at the bit to get them to the sewing machine sooner and to get them to sew more. And my own discovery of where my values lie, like I'm not entirely sure I could have unpacked um, all those things, all the things that are most important to me until I evaluated how I spend my time at the sewing machine and realized, oh, wow, okay, family really matters to me and, and joyousness really matters to me and, you know, open-handed generosity really matters to me. Like, here are the values that are, are the most important for me. They all come through at the sewing machine. And so, um, for people who used to sew or kind of sew, who sewed a long time ago but drifted away, and they, now they feel the pull back to rediscover their sewing machine, all the things that are true for someone brand new to sewing are also true for those people. I feel so excited about the returning stitchers. So, whether you're brand new to sewing or coming back to sewing, part of the package is that there's all this excitement at the newness of it, um, but it only lasts for so long. And then we need something other than that first burst of serotonin to keep us learning and growing. Um, it can be a little overwhelming to, to launch this practice of sewing and not totally know where to go. Um, as I look at all the new members I have at the Murder Mystery Quilt and also at the League of Dressmakers, my subscription garment sewing club, I think back on the times when I personally wasn't inspired at all to sew. I mean, like, like really just couldn't, couldn't do it. I would get stalled. I'd be stuck. I'd be listless. I would struggle to get excited. All I could do was look at my machine and I had 
zero desire to make anything. And, and there, there can be this sort of um, discouraging, demotivating spiral that comes out of that where you feel all excited and you're just jazzed and then you don't really know how to take the first step. Like, how do I launch this process? And, and as that enthusiasm wanes, you feel a little bit lost, but also kind of like you've already failed and you haven't even done anything yet. So struggling to know where to start sewing, you know, it happens at a lot of stages in developing as someone who sews, right? It can happen when sewing is brand new and we don't know where to begin, right? Like where to enter the water. Um, it can happen when sewing is still unfamiliar, right? We're beginners, like we know how to do it, but we're beginners, but we don't feel confident just leaping in and trying new things. And so you can stall out there. It can happen when sewing is something we used to turn to for comfort, but we just can't seem to find the joy we previously discovered there. You know, we all go through seasons of feeling down or even depressed, and and the sewing machine can reveal that's going on, even if you weren't aware of it. But that doesn't change the fact that you're not motivated to make anything, right? Um, even sometimes the, the those of us who are the least likely to become demotivated can discover one day that sewing is just become a snooze, right? It's not as exciting or as thrilling as it once was. So it happens to all of us. You know, all of us come to this place periodically, cyclically, seasonally, where we're not totally sure how to get moving, how to gain that momentum. I've taught sewing for a very long time, and I've thought about sewing for even longer than that. So I compiled a list of suggestions born from my own seasons of deep listlessness and lack of inspiration, to share with you for how to get started sewing or how to get back into sewing when you aren't quite sure how to begin. This episode of the Whip Stitch Podcast is brought to you by the League of Dressmakers. We are an online subscription video club that guides you to sew fearlessly and with joy. Come meet your team, find your new best friends, get step-by-step -step technique guides, video sew-alongs, an annual tournament, and community with all of us at the League. We would love to sew with you. Find us online at League of Dressmakers. That's L-E-A-G-U-E of Dressmakers.com. In no particular order, this is a list of pieces of advice that hopefully will resonate with you, give you a way to fi just find an entry point, right? And I picture it as um, you, you showed up to a concert venue and you can hear the music inside. So there's a picture in your head of the experience everyone else must be having in there, but all the doors are locked. And what you really need is for someone, anyone, to pop open one of those doors. Right? Can you picture, like, you know, or the outside of a school or something where it's door, 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 door. There's just this line of doors, and you've tried every single handle, and you can't get the doors to open. But you know there are people in there, and it can be frustrating and discouraging, but also it's hard not to take it personally. That somehow I'm not able to access this thing I got a ticket. I should be able to get in there. Why not me? It's really a bummer. So each of these pieces of advice isn't like 
an absolute truism or, um, you know, a dictum that I'm, I'm coming here and pointing my finger because that's really not my jam. These are rather, this is a set of keys and some of them will work for you and others won't. But I offer each of them to you with the idea that one of these keys will open a door for you and help you gain access to the venue where all the fun is taking place. So in no particular order, how to start sewing or how to get back into sewing. One, brush up on your basics. Um, in so many circumstances, a sense of insecurity or ennui can be cured just by going back to the very beginning. Like it's super sound of music. Let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. When sewing, and especially for those of us who learned a lot of our sewing skills on an ad hoc basis, we like we just acquired skills as we needed them to sew a particular project. We didn't have like a regimented journey from beginning to end. Um, we ended up with an education that was spotty and filled with all these donut holes. So filling in those gaps can lead us down all kinds of rabbit holes to new and interesting projects. So when you feel like, ah, oh, gosh, I, I just don't know how to get started. I don't know what to do. Work on mastering core skills. And I mean core skills. How to sew a consistent seam allowance, right? How to cut really well. How to sew in a straight line every time. Practice with small patterns that require a skill you haven't nailed yet. Like uh, make a pouch with a zipper or install piping. Make, um, here's a great idea, make one basic project, like a tote bag or a zipper pouch, make that project over and over and over again until you can anticipate your own trouble spots and smooth out your technique, right? Brushing up on your basics isn't about what project should I sew next, but rather, how can I explore a little bit until I'm inspired to pick the next thing? Search out core skills you know are weak for you and tackle those on purpose. So I, I actually do have a how to sew video series. Um, it's based on my first book, Stitch by Stitch. It's included with a membership in the League of Dressmakers. And it starts with, here's how we thread the machine. Here's how we change a needle. Here's how we clean the bobbin case, right? Like it's got all the basics in there. And it, it is intentionally designed for exactly this circumstance to take you back to the basics with the assumption, not that you don't know how to do this, but rather that all of us have these gaps in our knowledge. And that as we fill those gaps in, we're inspired to try new and exciting projects. So second tip, play play and putter. Um, I had a day years and years and years ago, um, right around the time that I started Whipstitch, maybe even a little before, where I was in my workspace and I realized I hadn't puttered in, I like I couldn't remember how long it had been. Since I had just like, I don't know, I don't know if you use this phrase, but I hadn't farted around in a while. Like I just hadn't like, let's see what happens. And I had this sense of real sadness that I didn't give myself time to play, right? When we don't know where to start, sometimes that's a great chance to start where we actually are. I rarely gave myself time to play, just play, because I had important projects on my list, 
right? Um, but because I had all these important projects, I kind of forgot where the fun was. And that led to me not having any fun anymore. Having no list gives us a chance to play with shapes or ideas that have less risk, right? If we're just experimenting, there's no failure. Everything's just a chance to grow. There's a lot less ego involved because, you know, if I'm just fooling around, then there's, it doesn't matter how it turns out. I have no previously conceived expectations. I'm just here to learn because play is learning. Pottering gets this bad rap as wasted time. You know, but how many great ideas have each of us had flipping through the pages of a magazine or, you know, like you're browsing the grocery store where you don't know what's for dinner or you're shooting the breeze with friends. Remember when we used to just hang out and you'd call up your bestie and you'd say, hey, you want to hang out? We don't have plans. We're not going anywhere. We're not getting coffee because there weren't coffee shops in the 90s. We're just hanging out, right? And then uh, somebody has a great idea. That is how kitchens get redesigned. That is how great meals get cooked. That's how dinner parties get planned. We let our ideas flow without agenda because we're just hanging out. The same is true with sewing. Sometimes just getting out your beautiful fabric and running your fingers over them can spark a creative fire. So give yourself time to play. Third suggestion, expect it to take time. I get, I don't know about you, I get discouraged when I encounter something new that I can't do right away. When I was 10 years old, I wanted to learn to ice skate. And I hated it because I went to my ice skating lesson in the ice rink at the mall. And it's a fishbowl and everybody could see you. But as I made the little lemons, you know, it made my inner thighs sore because I was 10 and quite frankly, not much of an athlete. Um, and so I quit because it was hard and somehow, somehow I wasn't prepared for it to not be easy. I actually see that a lot in students. They get so frustrated with themselves because they're like, why can't I do this? Right? And, and so the, the analogy, the metaphor, the, the picture, word picture that I use is, um, do you drive a car? How often did you watch someone else drive a car before you drove a car? A thousand hours? 10,000 hours? We were passengers in cars so many times before we ever got behind the steering wheel. So most of what we learned when we learned to drive a car was simply building on prior experience. We already had a frame of reference for these new skills. We were simply exposing our muscles to them for the first time. So reframe that for sewing. How many hours have you watched someone operate a sewing machine before you sat at a sewing machine? Zero? A dozen? Certainly not a thousand. Who would watch someone sew for a thousand hours? only someone who already sews, right? We're so hard on ourselves. You have no prior knowledge of a sewing machine. It's going to require some time to get your brain on board and get your muscles in gear, right? So sewing requires time. It requires 
that that opportunity to get the muscle memory to figure out where does my hand go where does my foot go you need time to try something one way and see if it works and then try it another way and see if it works better um, the most frustration I have witnessed in myself or in students has always been the result of wanting to get better now and it is always eased with the message that where we are is the right place for where we're going next you're already in the right place. Yeah? So we need these, these hours, we need this time to fertilize our growth. Release yourself from the expectation that you should be able to, and instead accept that you can't yet, but you will soon. Suggestion number four. Do not wait for inspiration. When you are stuck and you don't know where to go next, do not wait for the mood to strike. Somerset Mom famously said, I only write when inspiration strikes. Fortunately, it strikes every morning at 9 o'clock sharp. Which does not mean that he was gifted with, uh, you know, a special supernatural type of inspiration to which the rest of us don't have access. But rather, he sat his butt down every morning at 9 a.m. to work during extended bouts of listlessness and low motivation to sew. There was no amount of encouraging self-talk that was going to get me moving. And in fact, one of the ways that I began to diagnose that I actually had pretty negative self-talk, like the voice in my head was kind of a butt, um, was recognizing what that voice was saying to me when I just couldn't even look at the sewing machine. I would find myself sitting in front of my screen, like, you know, the big screen or the little screen and my phone or my desktop. And I was watching other people, how much they were getting sewn. And it just pulled me deeper and deeper and deeper into this spiral where I thought I was the only person in the history of the world who had ever lost her vision. And it made me feel so bad about myself. And it made me feel so bad about my own potential and my own self-worth. And then it just feeds that nasty voice in my head. It was, and of course it's not true. Of course it's not true. So Somerset Mom's advice is solid. Even when we don't feel inspired, we can sit down at our sewing machines and we can work. It doesn't have to be like the project, right? We can sew something practical. We can make placemats for ourselves or as a gift. We can make items to donate, right? Like I'm a member at Quilts of Valor who make quilts for um, veterans, U.S. veterans, and then donate them. And there's actually like a ceremony involved, and it's really lovely. Um, you can make kits for Days for Girls who are devoted to making um, portable small menstrual kits for girls in places where water is limited so that they can continue to go to school when they are having their cycle, which for a lot of us in the West, we didn't realize was a barrier to school attendance. Um, we can sew for the local high school theater production, right? I bumped into a number of women who do that. Their kids are long grown and flown, and they are still signing up for that spring musical, and the schools are elated for their help. Anything can fill in and get us sewing while we wait for a dream to form. Even if that's not our dream project, we don't have to wait for inspiration. We just have to get moving. Fifth suggestion. Make small projects with low expectations. So many of us expect ourselves to make the thing, the big, big thing right now. But we can make smaller projects. 
we can make practical projects, right? What is it about us? What is it about us that causes us to dismiss a practical project as not real sewing? Did you hear the air quotes? Like we put that in there. We're like, oh, well, I mean, it's just a pillowcase. Just a pillowcase. You sewed in a straight line and it's presentable to guests. Come on. Oh, well, it's just a cloth napkin. Oh, well, it's just a pillow. It's just nothing. You made it. We can make potholders or tote bags. We can make a drawer organizer out of waterproof fabric. We can make a set of cloth napkins. We don't have to make an entire king-size quilt to be sewing. We can sew small items that give us satisfaction, that help us master skills and stir up our creativity. And then, then you're starting to fold in the added benefit of it's meeting a real need in the real world. Are you kidding me? All these projects, they also have the added benefit the added added benefit of using smaller cuts of fabric, um, which can encourage us to dig through the fabric we have stashed away, where more often than not, inspiration's been hiding all along. Sixth suggestion is catalog your favorite projects, even if they're not yours. When small projects or sewing for others isn't cutting it isn't like getting you you know like if you're stuck in a literal rut like your car is stuck in the mud or something you kind of have to like you got to rock back and forth a little bit to get that momentum when I'm mired in that stuck feeling of wanting to sew something for myself but I'm not sure what to make I have found it really useful to get inspired by looking more closely at what I already like like do a catalog do an inventory yeah, I recommend this to the members of the League of Dressmakers all the time as a way of evaluating our wardrobe. Like, why would you sew a garment for yourself that you're not going to wear because it doesn't suit your style? Did you think when you finished it, you'd magically become a different person? If you live on a farm, is an evening gown something that you are going to wear every day? Conversely, if you live in New York City is a pair of waterproof gaiters for your hiking boots, something that you're going to use frequently? It doesn't mean don't sew them, but it does mean why would you make something that you have no use for, right? You might as well make something for somebody else in that case. Um, I wrote a lot in my, I actually have a series on the blog uh, called Get Dressed to Stay Home that I wrote at the very beginning of lockdown talking about how we evaluate our own style, how we cycle through our wardrobes in order to find out what stuff feels good to wear and encourage ourselves to wear stuff we don't normally wear in order to influence our feelings because it definitely is, there's a feedback loop there. You know, we like what we like. And so many of us sewing clothing have had projects fail miserably because we ventured beyond what we will actually wear and love. Now, I, I absolutely want to make a disclaimer here. That is not me saying don't sew something outside your comfort zone. I definitely think you should do that. That is me saying that if you are in a stuck place and what will give you the most momentum to get out of that stuck place is to make something that you're like, man, I am going to wear this all the time, then evaluate what you wear all the time and make something like that right? You can make a mood board. You can make a picture album from the photos in your phone. You can sketch ideas on a croaky. We've got a whole video about that at the League of Dressmakers. You can cut pictures out of magazines. Old school. 
you can get a general sense of what you already like, even if it's not hanging in your closet, even if it's stuff you like that you do not currently own, you can start to get a, a better concept of what shapes and silhouettes and colors and textures you like. Compare that to what's in your closet. You can figure out what you like and don't own, which leads to very practical lists of sewing projects to fill gaps in your wardrobe with things that will really get loved. And that is an inspiring idea all by itself, right? Here's this idea that sewing can be a way to reduce consumption, to reuse things that would otherwise get thrown away, to explore your own sense of self and your ideas about beauty and fashion, right? Like suddenly we're off in fantasy territory, which brings me to my final point. Dream, dream, dream. This is different from plan, plan, plan. I think we should all spend more time daydreaming. Now, planning, planning is a particular pursuit at which I wildly excel. It can take up days and days all on its own. Sometimes the plans are never enacted. Man, I went looking for a pattern the other day. I knew I had it because I searched... I can't believe I'm admitting this, but I searched my email inbox for the name of the pattern and the pattern company. And because I was like, do I own that? <laughs> and it said, here's your receipt. Not only do you own it, you own a print version of this pattern. And I was like, um, okay. So I went digging in my drawers and I could not find this pattern. I found like nine other patterns from this company, but not this one. And I thought, oh. I bet I know where it is. I bet it's in that plastic storage bin filled with fabric that has been pre-washed and then folded and paired with the pattern I was going to use with that fabric. And then I put it all in storage bins and I put it in the back of the closet underneath three other bins and behind a whole other stack of different bins. I bet that's where it is. That's where it was. But as I went through it, so I had these two competing emotional experiences. One was, look at all this, oh my God! Like I was so excited because I found all these patterns that quite frankly I had forgotten I owned and all this amazing fabric that I had accumulated over the years. And so I felt this excitement and inspiration and oh my gosh, and immediately it was followed with this like rubber band effect of this crashing self punishment? Is that the right word? Like, I just got so down on myself and I was like, I mean, that is just pathetic. Look at all these plans you made that you never did anything about. That is just sad. What was this? Six, eight, ten years ago and you never even met. Whoo, girl. It got messy. It got messy fast. And because I have learned some things about myself, mostly under lockdown, I stepped back and I said, you know what? It's okay if I made plans, quote unquote, and didn't enact them, because those, those really were dreams, right? That was a way of visualizing a possible future. Here are things that I might like to make. And the funny thing was, as I looked at these patterns and the fabrics I'd paired them with, some of them really didn't belong together, but they sincerely had been in these bins for six, eight, not exaggerating, 10 years. And they weren't right. I didn't know enough at the time to know that this was actually probably not a great fabric for this pattern. And maybe I wouldn't have loved it if I'd done it in that fabric. And so the, the dreaming part of it 
was actually better than the planning part. I got the chance to kind of experiment at no risk. It cost me nothing to lay all this fabric out and match it up with patterns and think about it and then pack it back up in the bin. It was like playing dollhouse. It was like playing Barbies. You know, it was just, just dream time. And we give ourselves so few opportunities to dream like that. Um, it doesn't matter if you enact the plans. I think we should all dream more. What is the wildest sewing project you can envision? A life-size replica of the Statue of Liberty made entirely of recycled denim scraps? Why not? Why not, right? Sketch it out. Dream up ridiculous, absurd, wild projects, and then see where the scaled-down version of that idea might lie. Runway shows, like, like high-fashion runway shows, they are built around this concept all the time. There's a couture version of a particular garment, and then there's the one that they sell to the public off the rack, and it may only have the barest resemblance to the couture version. But they came from the same brain, they came from the same concept, they came from the same theme, whatever the theme of that particular runway show was. They are, it is a, the, the off-the-rack version is a livable, workable, practical version of this high-concept version that's on the runway. Cars do that, right? You see concept cars all the time. That car is never going to be in someone's garage. It's not intended to be. It is, it is a proof of concept. It's an opportunity to say, does this idea fly? Do people even like it? right? Why can't we dream a little bit with our sewing? Why can't we fantasize about the biggest, boldest, insanest idea we've ever had and see where that goes? So, whether you are brand new to the sewing machine or you are coming back after some time away, it can be hard to get going. You know, we, we all kind of get in our own way. So, think of it like getting out of an actual rut in the road. You may need to rock back and forth gently. One step forward, one step back in order to get the momentum to get moving. And once you do, it'll be slow at first. There will even be that moment where you aren't quite sure that you're out, where you're holding your breath thinking, did, we, did I do it? And that's okay. Any sewing project is a good sewing project. I know that what you sew next will be just the right project to meet you where you are. Have fun sewing, everybody, and thanks for listening. This episode of the Whip Stitch Podcast is brought to you by the League of Dressmakers. We are an online subscription video club that guides you to sew fearlessly and with joy. Come meet your team, find your new best friends, get step-by-step -step technique guides, video sew-alongs, an annual tournament, and community with all of us at the League. We would love to sew with you. Find us online at League of Dressmakers. That's L-E-A-G-U-E of Dressmakers.com.